Conesty, how are ye? Welcome to another Candle Tales podcast and a special episode this evening or this morning with my brother Neil. And we're looking back at the story of Oisin and Tiernan Og. And there's a very good reason for that. And there's a very good story to be told at the end of this podcast too. This is a special episode without my sister because, well, we can't quite link up in time zones. I'm currently recording this with my brother Neil Hegarty, who is a, oh, well, he's a very good farmer and he's a permaculture teacher. He's a storyteller in his own right. And, well, it's a very uh, happy delight of mine to welcome my brother to the Candle Tales podcast. Neil, how are you? Very good, Aaron. Good to, good to join you on the podcast. Mm. The honour is all mine. <laughs> I've been over in Guatemala now for a couple of months and I've tasted all of the great foods you've been growing in your farm, your farm-to-table restaurant over here at Lake Atitlan, and the crack is only mighty. So we'll get talking about permaculture a little later because what we really want to focus on at the start here is the idea of Tirnanog and these other world islands in Irish mythology. And I guess, Neil, you told one of, uh, well, you told Oshin and Tirnanog for one of the Candle Tales storytelling nights in Guatemala. How did you find that? I did. Um, I did. I tell that story actually quite, <clears throat> quite regularly. <coughs> Excuse me. Um... <coughs> Um, I tell that story quite regularly actually uh, I, I tell it a lot after we do when we teach permaculture courses here at the farm we often do you know talent shows at the end of the at the end of the courses and so telling telling stories is often one of the talents that I fall back on um, and that's that's always been a story that I've loved um, and I guess I identify with it for all kinds of reasons and so it, I had told it many times, and I think uh, I enjoyed telling it in the in the whole with the audience and the real attention that you were able to bring to the to the candle to well, <laughs> first of three candle tales nights that we did in in Grandesikin, which is the name of our farm in here in Guatemala. Right. Yes. I mean, it was <laughs> it was a lot of fun to see you getting up and telling that story. Sorica, um, you know, schooled me in, in that story before we even started Candle of Tales uh, and told me everything it was nice to be able to uh, bring you guys on a journey. And it was interesting. Yeah. Hearing you put your own spin on it, as we always do. But we were talking about it. And I think you have some really interesting reflections upon, well, your background in permaculture, your background in farming, sustainable living, and then this idea of Oshin goes off to Tirnanog. We know the story, and if you don't, we've plenty of podcasts that have told the story. But in a very brief summary, Oshin, the son of Fiumakul in the Fianna, goes off to Tirnanog with Niamh Kinor, and when he comes back, time has moved differently, and hundreds, if not thousands, of years have passed. He sees the grey landscape, he hears the tolling of bells, the interruption of the sound of now, the desolation of the land, the forests are gone, the people are weak and sick, and it's Christian belief rather than pagan he's sometimes in the stories huge and big and strong and everyone is so weak and, and meager and of course we we know the story of of how he might fall off the horse turn to dust and die or that he has a conversation with saint patrick but ultimately dies and that's how we know that story 
You have a, a particular interpretation of this that I think is quite a unique one. I heard you talk to Dear Middling about it on a, on a similar podcast, but I wanted to pick your brains for this one because I think it's quite an interesting insight. Can you ex- talk us through it? Yeah, well, um, I mean, one of the things that I'm fascinated by, uh, I did a little bit when I was doing my master's in, in Kimmage in, um, in development studies. I did a, studied a little bit of anthropology and I became fascinated with the the relationship between the kind of culture and the worldview that people have and the way they're man- the, the way they manage land. Um, Ken Wilber also writes a lot about this, the sort of transition from um, uh, a hunter-gatherer model of, of food production or, or, or horticulture, um, which is kind of really horticulture is is gardening and, and farming and foraging as opposed to agriculture which is you know widespread clearing of the land uh plowing of the land using animals um and you just tend to get it would seem a a, a major shift in the cultural um landscape and also in the physical landscape the way you know the way people are um and certainly in permaculture circles, there's a large move in in in, in what they call the rewilding direction. Right. Um, because what we sort of see with agriculture is once people domesticate crops and animals, they themselves become domesticated. And no, no, we're going to stop in that point. I just slow down. They themselves become domesticated. What does that mean? Like you domesticate a plant, you literally start planting it right from the hunter gatherer form. Yeah, but then you know, I suppose it's uh, we think we domesticate the plants, but there's an equally valid argument to say that they domesticate us, and the same is true for the animals <laughs> because you become people become sedentary when they do that, and they kind of lose. I suppose there's a loss of of wildness, and for sure. As people switch from this 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 mode of living where they're where they're not as sedentary and they're moving around and they're hunting and they're we would probably say we would probably imagine them to be more connected to nature and to the natural world and those you know peoples who live like that tended to have what we would call a kind of a more druidic shamanistic culture enough you know in, in a lot of cases and probably physically um you know much healthier because the yeah. the the very diet the kind of like wild game and and wild plants i suppose we imagine people would have certainly had the potential to be you know like Oshin is in that story this kind of like um you know Oshin is a, he's he's very close to being a kind of a godlike human he's very close to exactly yeah. the ideal representation of um you know what a what a human man would would be in a sense he's he's unbelievably brave and courageous and you know, beautiful charming all of the charming but incredibly like physic you know has extraordinary physical absolutely well, yeah. which you know again we 
there's limited information on this, but we suppose um, another guy's written a lot about this. The the, the author of the book Ishmael, uh, mm, great story, which is he's really saying the same thing in those stories, which is that in a lot of cases the the semi wild horticulturalists and hunter gatherers they had a better deal. Okay, you know they're f- the, the 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 notion is that they're they're freer, um, they have better diets, and then when we switch to the agrarian base we. Um, we lose something, and we also we gain. To- some, we also gain something, and that's the kind of key thing that you want. It's this is not a black and white thing. Of course, and that's where we get into the romanticization of yes. the pagan and which, the, you know, which is something that personally I'm I'm very uh, slow to of and, and slow I, I I slow to fall into because you know when we switch to agriculture we also people can sit around and probably think more and we develop writing system and art comes out of that too you know yeah, of course culture deepens but there does seem to be kind of and I think people feel this I think that's why people recognise that there's a truth in the story about this moment when Oshin comes back and he sees all these you know small weak looking people that are, don't look like the people that he remembers I think that would come the, the, the supposition there would be like yeah once we start once we start farming and once you develop a kind of a hierarchy in the structure which all mm-hmm. oh, you know all hunter gatherer societies or all, all agrarian societies would have had you know and suddenly you have peasants and more people but less wild landscapes um, and you know I think there's so, so so that's being talked about for sure and and just in terms of the like living a little bit more closely to the land looking at the kind of cycle of the year and this is something that we're tuning into a lot more and have been doing since like telling stories because the stories of, of the seasons get told you know we we've just had bridget there and you know that's the, the coming in of a spring and, and you tune into that a bit more you see the buds you see the seeds you you plant more uh you prep prepare more for the summer you know in Beothana it's it's the time for you know the stories of the Fianna I, we, we have Oshin Tirnog now in March but like we have also like it, it's it seems to be going out foraging being in the land appreciating the outside whereas you get uh, a Lunasa a harvest festival sowing the end of harvest festival which is very much the the dead half going into the death and, and appreciating that cycle and you know coming together around the fire and being much more uh closer closer and warmer and you know the stories and the, and the time of the of the seasons tell us what to kind of do or how to organize ourselves yeah, and what, what to eat <laughs> what to pay attention to as well and um i suppose one of the ways i think about it is that i think stories and rituals are things that reinforce a worldview um you know we live in in modern times now where we're actually we can actually sort of be conscious of what our worldview might be Hmm. and then tell stories and engage in rituals that would reinforce that whereas if you go back to these other times you know the very concept of even having a worldview would have been would have been alien but you know we see these kind of these stories that are related to seasonal changes and you know births and deaths and, and just natural cycles over and over again and one of the things that I think that's important to realize is um, there's a difference between you know a ritual that's that's a ritual that's really grounded in 
in the worldview of a people and and necessary somehow like some you know the things you're talking about um you know rituals around harvest time rituals around mm-hmm. the entrance of 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 the death that comes about from from winter and all that kind of stuff and you know if if one or if a group of people do not have that connection to the land then these rituals become you know what charles eisenstein calls rituals in inverted commas okay um you know so they become these kind of things that people occasionally will partake in you know in an attempt to have an authentic experience mm-hmm. I, see that, I see that a lot here with the kind of mayan fire and fire ceremonies which are you know um we have there's a very rich tradition in this part of the world where, where i live in guatemala um and and the indigenous a lot of the indigenous spiritual practice and rituals have survived to today but i i always notice that there's this kind of um there's this disconnect in a sense where because the, the, the Mayan fire, fire ceremony is all about saluting the four cardinal directions you know east, mm-hmm. east west north and south um, and you know if you're living in a way where you're actually tuned in to what's coming from the four cardinal directions at the different times of year um, and you're also you know the 20 nawales which are the 20 energies of the mayan of the mayan calendar you know if you're actually having time to connect and be in nature and look at all the different birds and and and, and trees that that has that it's sort of inspired mayan cosmovision then those rituals will have a lot more force than they will you know if you're completely disconnected to the natural world and yes of course coming along and, and paying 200 dollars to take <laughs> a, you know in a inverted that becomes an experience then opposed to and like it's again it's if you go back to like looking at the the solar calendar and looking at like the the different the distance between the the solstices and the equinoxes you know halfway between each uh, winter uh, solstice and the um the equinox the spring equinox you know that's when you have um in bulk and it's it's a quarterly after that so the whole year going around you're tuning much more into the the season so it's not about just having a party obviously and so there's obviously deeper layers and deeper meanings and it's a really interesting one to explore i mean like every story can be analyzed and you can take kind of meanings out but i do think the idea of you know the Oshin and the Fina representing something that is you know we know it's free we know what freedom kind of might mean in a romantic sense but certainly the hunting the foraging the living off the land the no attachments to things and and, and, and items and belongings and places and then coming back to uh, an agriculture uh, system where deforestation has happened and disconnect has suddenly happened and that's a very strong and clear representation in that story I think of like one shifting paradigm to the next and how people then get stuck in different world views like you say now we have to all come together collectively to help the greater good by farming and making loads of corn or making loads you know here or making loads of wheat or making loads of potatoes so that more people can survive but not necessarily be more healthy be more able and be more well and yeah, well, there's a look. There's a couple of things there. I mean, I think firstly, evolution can be looked at from a couple of different ways. So, of you know, you could say that Oshin, if he represents, and the Fianna, if they represent this kind of like romanticized ideal of the horticulturalist or or the hunter gatherer, whichever one 
whichever one it would be, I would imagine those people, they would have been horticulturalists in the sense that they certainly would have been, um, you know, planting and altering the landscape. Um, but, you know, if we take them... To, in that they might have, like, roamed around, planted a bit, come back to that in yeah, that season. Yeah, gardened. Right. You know, garden, planted, planted certain certain crops, uh, but in a kind of, not over a huge, not over a huge area. So mm-hmm. agriculture really is characterised in that part of the world by, um, mm-hmm. by tilling the land um, and by using particularly, like, a horse-drawn... Mm. apparatus to like strap a plow onto the back of a horse that's that's one of the big technological shifts um that you know that then causes a shift in the physio physiology of the individual which you know is further related to a shift in the inner world of the individual and then when there's a shift in the inner world of the individual there's a cultural shift and so like ken wilbur has described that's a very, that point. very very well how technological changes in the group lead to physiological changes and then but crucially what happens is the interior world of both the individual and the um and the collective changes and you know that's something well, yeah. that's very that you know that's what psychotherapists and, and anthropologists spend their time studying yeah and, and i think what, what's particularly interesting about ken wilbur is the kind of holistic view he took and the way he pointed out how each one of these kind of uh, spheres in a sense is connected but you know look just going back to the to the to the Oshin thing I think there's a, there's a few more things to it it's like so first if you if, if you sort of say well yes the Fianna what made them so idealizable is um, they did have absolute freedom which I think is something that all men in a, in a sense yearn for but there was this nobleness to the way they acted you know? mm. so you know, in a sense, they're really, really powerful, positive um, images for masculinity. Right. That's, that's another thing that you can't kind of forget about all of these warrior stories in, in that you tell. And this isn't just unique to the Oshin story, but it's like, you know, it's the idea that these these wild free men are using their gifts primarily in a in a kind of a protective way. Um, right. So that I think that's also a very powerful element that the that the story contains. And do, um, do you think that can contain because there is you know the source where a third of the Fianna are Ban Fian, the female warriors, and there's a whole resurgence of telling female warrior stories because the ideal the idea is that by not telling those stories, you don't let women become strong and free and able bodied to you know be as courageous and strong because that's too scary for uh, the balance of, of of society. Is do you think is it is it men? And, and women or are the Fianna representing something primarily kind of masculine that is something uh, you know unique to the, the genders or is it no I, I mean I think um, I think when you ter- use terms like masculine and feminine attributes um, it, you're not necessarily talking about men and women the, the warrior archetype is, is a very interesting one because I think the idea that the idea that there is a mature version of a warrior mm. who is, in a sense, peaceful unless unless it's really necessary, um, and who who spends his or her time kind of dedicating 
him or herself to a to a kind of a craft and like the betterment of you know himself or herself particularly physically you know that's that's real warrior stuff and luckily that energy has survived today i think through the through the gaa primarily you know the hurling to me is still the ultimate ultimate is still the ultimate warrior game you know you can see how many young men and women are, are drawn to that because in ireland of course, in ireland, of course <laughs> and uh, in fairness there's a lot of hurling teams around the world like the, the Irish diaspora has spread it um, and it's one of those games that is just fascinating and, and, and ver- it's it's and I guess you get it in you know rugby hockey you get it in lots of sports as well it's a it's a, it's a very um, absolutely uh, of course warrior you know, fuel you know, thing I would say that's 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 why sports kind of kind of exist um, of course uh, but there you know for me there's something particularly uh, embodying about that that warrior energy and how we see it play out in on on the hurling field um mm-hmm. so you know i think that's another element to the story is this kind of like um just a reverence attached to, to the description of Oshin and in a, you know in a sense this kind of like he he does represent this kind of ideal of masculinity sure and 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 then it um you know and the circumstances that change that as well how he bring he, how he falls from grace in a way by by coming back to a land that he doesn't really belong to and well, it's well yeah there's something terribly powerful about that for firstly i think that the the, the idea of him going to tirnanog is is really interesting because tirnanog is essentially heaven Right, and I, I joked, I think, five years ago or so when when uh, we were doing a show in, in the Stag's Head that you were off. I I think I had just come back from, from another visit with you and I was like saying, well, Neil is off in Tiernanog in the land of eternal youth and freedom and fun and frolics and it didn't seem like it was a very grounded place that you were in maybe then as before you really set roots here, you know, and, and it was just the, the energy of the place was fun and, and you know, off, off forever wanderers passing through through and and that's why it kind of gets so beautiful in Tiernanog because the reason Oshin needs to go is because he needs contrast he needs to actually there's no point in just having fun all the time you know it's great to have the crack but you need to know when not to have the crack so you can have the crack better next time because you need to have the yeah, opposite you know you yeah, need to know what it is to feel sad to feel happy yeah and, and the fact like the description in the story of, of Oshin becoming bored no, you know, I think this is actually quite an. A, this is a very old idea. I've realised. You know, the Buddhists have this idea about Nirvana and, mm. um, uh, and Samsara. Right. You know that really, the idea being once you die, which we all will, that you kind of you you let go of the world of suffering and the world of worry and the world of responsibility and and you sort of you know there's been so many books written by people who've had near-death experiences or experiences like in ayahuasca or in deep meditation and they're all pretty similar it's this kind of description of this formless eternal kind of state um and you know as alan watts who i i I really have always loved listening to alan watts's talks kind of says he's like well imagine that you're in this state and then you kind of realize that you're god 
you know, which in a sense you are, or there's this eternal divine to your, to, 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 to your soul. And imagine, you know, you forget about all the daily stresses of life and you, you, you know, you realize, you realize that you're God, which, you know, that's how the Buddhists kind of describe waking up. Um, and he says, well, what would happen? You know, you're up there and there's no death and there's no, uh, there's nothing to worry about and you can do basically anything you want. Oh, and you'd get bored. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. And that's that's what life is. And it's very plainly displayed in that story when yeah. oh, oh, St. Patrick says to Oshin, would you not like to come to heaven and pray to God all the time? And Oshin is like, well, that sounds really boring. You right. know, like sitting around yes. in the clouds. I've just been playing games in the other in the other world in Tirnanog with Niamh Kinnor. Like, that was way more fun. It was way more challenging. I've experienced Nirvana. You're not exactly selling it to me. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I mean, it's really this... He's, I think in that story, he's just getting offered the same thing a second time. Sure. Patrick, it's the same decision he's already made. Right. Which is to come out of Nirvana and to go and look for his, you know, he's in Ternanoga, everything is safe, everything is wonderful, he can't die, there's a feast every day, you know, and he starts to think, wow, I wonder what the lads are doing. And yeah, I mean, like we can romanticize the Fianna as much as we, as much as we like, but that would have been a tough life roaming around the country. Absolutely. Uh, getting in fights, having to hunt every night, <coughs> sleeping under the stars. But it's it's what he wants to do, and it feels entirely believable. And then you know he basically gets offered this the way we tell the story. Uh, he gets he get uh, Saint Patrick makes him the same mm-hmm. offer again. He's like, you can go to heaven. Uh, and I suggest you do that because your brothers are down in hell and they're they're fighting monsters and it's like he he makes the same choice you right. know? so and I think that for me is key because it's like you know what what's the choice you're going to make and I think mm. a lot because uh, you know a lot a lot of this story to me speaks about the kind of like mask crisis in masculinity well, that we have now because A I think culturally we don't have enough warrior stories where right. too many people are talking about kind of you know toxic masculinity and how bad men are and you know how and, and, and of course there's numerous there's, there's too many examples exactly of, yeah. of bad male behaviour there's loads of it and but, it, but I, I, there I, must be and I think this is the reason some of these stories exist there must be an opposite of that right it's not the opposite of like toxic masculinity or destructive masculinity or whatever is not not passive masculinity amazing. or it's not to repress it yeah it's and that's the because that I mean that really is what Oshin is in essence is he's an integrated man he's a he, you know he's a man who has integrated his shadow and decided to use his considerable gifts mm. for good not for evil not to, so he's not being a bully he's not going around beating people up and taking their stuff mm. you know he's and that and that's really the ideal yeah story. and like I, I guess you know I, I get asked this by people uh, you know a fair bit like guys who are like trying to figure out what is the the, the role of the, ma- the man to step into when when it is all laptops and and, and uh, working our way from home and trying to you know 
whatever. I, we're all figuring out a new way of life, especially with COVID coming in and, and, and making stuff, you know, much more. Well, people are running away from uh, responsibilities. They're out there taking up more responsibilities. It's 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 shifted a whole thing. It's shifted a whole like pattern of behavior. And sudden, suddenly we're trying to integrate now what we learned from being connected and being able to stay at home and being able to not travel so much and be in offices all the time in big square buildings and concrete you know deserts or uh, something slightly more integrated with with living not just working so we're coming out of a bit of a story here and we're going we're trying to paint a new one yeah. and like people are and P- peter jordan um peterson talks about that you know the 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 dangerous masculine is or the dangerous man is often the the greatest guy who is able to do be good and I know we're talking about men and masculinity in this this podcast but I think it's 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 a really powerful thing to be talking about because we've just been talking about the goddess and I, I tap into that energy myself and it's it's foreverly abundant for both sexes I think it's good good to point out but the the idea of taking charge of your own danger and your own power to cause and I mean when jo- Jordan Peterson is really just he's just paraphrasing Carl Jung when, right. when he talks about integration you know, and that's what it means. It's like it, he he has a he's 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 attributed or this quote is attributed to him that like the best men are dangerous. And what he means by that is that like there is a danger to all people. Right. <laughs> yes. We're, we're capable of. There's danger out there. There's danger out there. The world is a dangerous place. Right. Um, men particularly are more dangerous, dangerous. it can be you know extremely nasty and at, at, you know at a bad end of the spectrum but like I say there must be an opposite to that and um, that so there's a huge part of the story and a lot of these warrior stories where where that message is contained and it's it's not yet being heard and so there's a there, I'll just finish the kind, yeah. kind of interpretation of the of the Oshin story and then we'll get back to it it's like so you know a, it's a decision to, to come back that like Nirvana and eternal bliss is oh you can only stay there for so long mm-hmm. and you'll even see this you know you have the best holiday the best experience honeymoon period the honeymoon period the falling <laughs> in love it'll it, it will come to an end and, and, and essentially essentially you everyone man or woman will get confronted with a choice of do I want to take part in some kind of fight or struggle mm-hmm. you know like am I going to go down to the dark places and and help my brothers in the Fianna is is, is but that right. really to me is a metaphor for like I my life is becoming meaningless here in Tiernanog right. because there's nothing to take responsibility for there's no um, there's no rock to carry <laughs> there's no burden and there's, there's no, no challenge and there's no challenge and, and life or the challenges have become meaningless yeah and and and, and so that that idea I think is is really important. Um, you know it's a really important one to, to, to get our head around especially for young people you know in in Ireland today or whatever because I or think wherever. we have kind of sure. sold this idea that like we should just be we should just or we deserve to be happy all the time 
Yeah, <laughs> everyone wants wants to be everything at the moment. You know, it's like we want to be traveling, we want to be having like experiences, we want to also be have a house and have, uh, you know. And, and what made my, you know, ultimately, I think a lot of people imagined. Uh, you know, you were telling the story of me being off in in Tiernanog when I was in Guatemala, and I think a lot of people back home imagine that like oh you know Neil's just out there you know living the dream having fun having putting the feet fun. up and get, but we all have that choice to go down and you know get your hands burnt in the fires of hell by right. working into the depths of planting something and seeding something and working through something that you really are committed to and I think that's that's where you know I, I definitely I see an awful lot of you know there's a, there's a role model in you for me in terms of a, you're my older brother and obviously I've, I've seen you <laughs> make plenty of mistakes half the times I've uh, learned from them in a great way I tried to avoid them but also in ways that I go oh there's there's this is kind of what an integration of strong male energy and uh, a good mindset and a holistic kind of overview you know, you're not overly spiritual, but you are too. And and there's some way of trying to do that. And what you've done, what I've seen you do here in Guatemala is is really work hard at, at making something happen from the ground up and, and build on land. And I think that's like where we're all broken in, in well, we're broken away from our chain of food. We're broken away from yeah. our chain of ability yeah. to make our own houses. Or, or we're broken away from our own ability to care for ourselves fundamentally and create our own pastures. You know, and we don't, we're, we're left in these barren landscapes with the tolling of church bells and, and grey concrete houses where we're getting charged for rent and no one's able to afford that Yeah, anymore. there's this kind of... Um yeah this kind of disempowering thing I think I mean really what I what I've been out here doing for the last eight years is you know and I didn't know that I was doing yeah I didn't actually have the framework for understanding it that I do now but you know I was I've been pushing a rock up a hill that's what it feels like I've been doing I became consumed by this idea and this vision that um you know, I could build an organization based on permaculture ecological principles that brought a level of wealth and abundance to to this country that I fell in love with. Right. You know, that's been the guiding principle. Really. And fundamentally to yourself as well. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> like... <laughs> fundamentally to myself. Um, of course. Know, and I think a big thing on my journey was was that was the integration of realizing that ultimately what's best for you know my the neighborhood i live in and the watershed i live in and the way that i can best serve my community at large is first and foremost by looking after myself my family and my farm and kind of trying to radiate out Good yeah, yeah, a rippling effect. A, that's rip, a rippling effect. Ha- having and, a you know, knock-on effect. Yeah. That's just something we see in nature anyway. We see right. the most successful species in nature are the ones that are... Or the, 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 the ones... The, how do I put that? The most successful members of an ecosystem are the ones that are doing best themselves, but also sharing and providing habitat you know an oak tree a, 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 an old oak tree is a good way of understanding that you know it's harvesting huge amounts of sunlight and water primarily for itself and then mm. it's, it's 
secreting out all of the excess of that to millions of other life forms. Mycelial right? level and... You know, and, 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 and sort of once you understand things in, in that context, I do think it, it kind of helps. But it, again, it, what I, what I, bec- what I the, one of the ideas I've become obsessed with in, in through kind of permaculture design and also mythology is this one that you know these hands that heat that harm can also heal that yeah. this kind of thing and i think actually when i listen to a lot a lot of people who come to visit this farm and, and, and study with us they have this i've realized terribly corrosive idea in their minds that human beings are bad right uh, and that's so so popular it's it's kind of it's become like a popular thing to say and talk about you know like oh if there were just less, less humans people, yeah. everything would be fine and it's like well just be very careful what you know going down that avenue sure and like it's it's quite a it's sometimes it's quite a leftist thing to say it's like we're you know we're, we're trying to be more green for the for the ecosystem and the planet so we we have more borders around national parks and we, we stick out everybody into how is to keep them away from nature because we're just bad for it yeah 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 and that really the ideal somehow would be to just have a a lot of protected natural reserves where people can just maybe walk on a path once a week um you know and then the rest of the time get back to your apartment stay away from nature we'll design these complex systems to deal with all your waste and we'll process it miles away from where you live you know and you just sit there and look at your computer and you know that that's not good for the human soul i think and so this kind of brings us to like okay the deeper meaning of a there's that's this story but the deeper meanings of the stories that we're trying to take part in we all go on our own hero's journey we're all setting off from you know the the, the landscape that is is asking us for adventures giving it's giving us the call to adventure we have the dark night of the soul or we have the the death and the rebirth in our own lives we all know where the turning points in our lives were if we live long enough or have lived long enough to know it and we, you know if you're young and you're entering into it you're you're probably unaware of all those things until you look back in it and you know you're looking back at it now after 40 odd years uh, or 40 years exactly, <laughs> exactly four, four zero years 40 and a half and it's you know you, you you've seen what your story is you know uh, has been you know making and now you're proud to present it i guess and and there's a worldview in you that has helped you create your own story yeah you know there's a deeper meaning that you've kind of decided that you want i mean you you maybe maybe want to articulate what that worldview is better than me but it certainly seems that you've adopted a set of stories that have helped you frame your world understanding and how to better place you your way of life and, and abilities within it in order to have a story you're, you're proud of telling about yourself which I think is so valuable and offers so much meaning because if you're not happy with the story you're able to tell about yourself your own journey then you, you, I think you've la- you're lacking that meaning you're lacking that attachment to, 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 to belonging to, to something more powerful and, 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 and yeah, important I, I, I agree I mean you, you do eventually realise that you know you only get one one shot at life. Um, it's so important to understand that. It's yeah. very important to understand it. I think most people do sort of understand it, but have possibly no real framework for 
getting kind of from where they are now to where you know where they might want to be and um you know i think a lot of what i do in in the, in the permaculture teaching i do it's it is storytelling because it's based really you know i teach a lot of fairly fundamental ecological techniques like how to harvest water build soil arrange plants and animals so that they find symbiosis but in a sense a lot of that stuff is actually quite basic mm-hmm. what i find kind of more important to do is to kind of work with my students in um in in the develop so that they can sort of switch the narrative in their heads right get over this get over this kind of like guilt at at being alive and this idea that they should be kind of tiptoeing around the planet sort of trying to like minimize their footprint or whatever because contained in that story is just it's there's so many things contained in it. one is the idea that humans are somehow like separate from nature mm. right and like and to minimize our footprint we must retread carefully yes. on the thing we're about to break yeah because we don't really belong here <laughs> right uh, we're aliens yeah we're we're aliens and um and, you know you mentioned it again it, it, there is this switch from the connected from the uber connected kind of hunter-gatherer type archetype um, to the uh, to the agriculturalist that's that's this big shift and what it does is it creates more leisure time for human beings more time to sit around but also more disconnection from nature so you get the art and you get the music and you get the beauty but you also get like this slight separation from the natural rhythms and that kind of distance that between us and the natural world has has increased no an awful lot of good things have happened along with that as well mm-hmm. massively increased life expectancy on the planet we've made extraordinarily technic technological innovations and now i think it's it's time to reintegrate right and there's a lot of people trying to do that i think between like you you see it between courses you see it with the abundance of yoga you see it with you know like I'm, I'm delighted to be taking part with Lucio Hagen's her wild awake kind of foraging retreat over the summer and you know you, like you see with Trailblazery which I took part in their first kind of Asquelga uh, online course because people are trying to reconnect the, the language and in the language you see you know what Mankong Mangan talks about the representation of, of the internal world and the external world and a really beautiful integration of like the many different names of, of field or whatever he you know there are in, uh, in, in uh, the Irish language which is just much more connected to what's around them and the seasons and then changing right. of the landscape because yeah. it's it's it was just it's older it's 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 more of the land and it's what these Fianna guys were were probably more uh, tapped into and so now that we've distanced ourselves and we've gotten mobile phones we've freed up some space in our brains some stresses have gone down we're possibly you know you know firing in different ways or you know reducing levels of need for stress and anxiety and memory as we externalize our memory on our phones but that's making room for advances technologically and 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 then making a bigger distance between where the hell we get our food from where how we take you know a, a way of, of living into our own hands in yeah. in this time and we're shifting into where there's a call there's a desire there seems to be a questions being asked about what do we do now you know yeah. the, the revolution the 
will not be televised because no one knows what the fuck it is right. or how to do it. And it's it's all on the personal experience and it's all we no one wants to take responsibility for their own story because they want to follow uh, a governance or a religion that will will tell them or, or lead them away along a way that will be safe. Right. And and then that's scary to jump into to hell to battle the demons and take up what what may be an insurmountable challenge but that's kind of the call to adventure that's, perhaps you know that's the call to adventure and I mean I'm uh, it, when it comes to sort of storytelling I'm I'm just utterly convinced at this point in the the plight of the individual <laughs> you know that there really is no other way I I believe to um to to achieve kind of real meaningful cultural change without kind of every individual or at least a critical mass within the within the culture taking responsibility for changing their own world and you know um I do really like I do really like a lot of these warrior stories as I also love the the goddess stories of course because I think for sure contained because you know we've touched on this thing masculine feminine and what you know what does that mean and you know we've talked about loads of podcasts absolutely yeah whole kind of political thing around it now which I, I don't particularly enjoy but what I've certainly found in my own life is the the symbiosis between between masculine and feminine is is extraordinarily powerful and you know in terms of archetypes like Jung said that really you've just got two archetypes <laughs> the great masculine and the great feminine and then everything right. else is a derivative of that you know and you've got the Michael Moore book where he writes the men the book about men and it's called King Magician Warrior Lover right and he says that those are the four kind of principal cross-cultural um, uh, you know masculine ones that, that pop up over and over again Amor uh, Perdón, está. Pueden dejar de hablar como 20 minutos más, si mucho. Um, you know that then everything is a derivative of um, of those of, of you know you've you've got your great masculine your great feminine and those of course are the two, those are the two sort of principal archetypes and then you know within them within them we see other ones for both men and women but I think the you know the key one of the real things I've learned from becoming such a lover of, of the natural world and, and observing nature is that you know within the biosphere the sphere of carbon based living <laughs> that only exists as far as we know on this planet and is extraordinarily uh, well 
complex, complex, and, and, and you know, just um, mind-boggling, really. Mind, that, yeah, that life sure, can, can exist. But the only way into that is between a, a male and a female, right? Be it a plant or or an animal or an insect. We name plants and animals male and female not because they they have male and female energies or they look like men and women because one propagates the other one with yeah, something to incubate a, a living yeah, being, you know, exactly. ultimately. Exactly. Um, yeah. and, and so that's like, that's the sort of fundamental driving force for creativity nice. in the biosphere. And the it relationship is. relationship between those two. And this is not <laughs> like, these are, this is not a social construction. No. Um, and I get to, it, it, like we, we were telling goddess stories as you, with the last story uh, and we live streamed it I hope you watched it um, but yeah, but like but it just just to, to run off on, the, on the, up that point of like we take as men great pleasure and and use out of the goddess stories and the fertility the abundance the kindness the the inspiration the sharpness the cutting anger the goddess of battle rage that is so clear and decisive and wrecking of doom and then to to, to also trying to integrate the masculine the strength the, the ferociousness the, the the kind of chaotic but also taking chaos and putting some control on it yes. which seems to be the masculine there's the, 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 the idea of imposing order where there was previously chaos is 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 a somewhat kind of masculine interesting yeah. trait you know um, and that interestingly that seems to be one of the reasons that when societies switch from being uh, horticultural to being agricultural that God becomes a man. Ah, there's something in that. There is something yeah, in Ken that. Wilbur writes a lot it's about interesting. that. Wow. Um, you know, and that kind of what we call the patriarchy or the 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 conceptualization of God as a man that happens principally when when we switch to the agrarian and and we don't have that integration anymore. We, we, integration. we lose the goddess stories, yes. and all of a sudden we're now just focused on you know overcoming the the obstacle through adversity and the warrior challenging head on and defeating stuff through violence and then you you forget the the, the flip side of, of how to right and 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 so you end up with this terrible situation where you know young men are not being told enough stories about people like Oshin mm. right so they're not conceptualizing the idea that this kind of energy I have which can cause me to destroy things and get in fights and you know do all kinds of crazy stuff can be channeled and can be used for, to do good in the world um, and also that in a sense like the highest calling of of the masculine is to protect and honor the feminine so that it can you know flourish and 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 and, and be as creative as possible yeah yeah, yeah. And, and and as as oh as without so within kind of mm. because of course everyone has masculine and feminine energy within themselves and so of course any man you know wants to be very in touch with his feminine creative tender nurturing side um but you know so the, the, there's a lot there there is a lot there those energies but like I suppose the you know to to finish that point about like I became fascinated with the story that we can be extraordinarily powerful healers on it from an environmental planetary point of view. Mm-hmm. That that more than anything else, that's the story that I latched onto. That yes, we have ecologically as human beings caused an unbelievable amount of destruction. 
Yeah. Like, and we're, we are for sure in the process. And if we could keep doing what we're doing at the moment and we don't make any attempt to change it, you know, we'll destroy, um, we'll destroy ourselves principally. And the danger is people will think we're going to destroy the planet. The planet is probably strong enough to shake us off. In 10,000 years, the planet will be fine. And that's another thing also to, to kind of like make peace with. Right. Is that like, you know, we're only going to live so long anyway. Human beings will evolve. Human beings will cease to be. We'll either evolve into something else. Right. Or we'll kind of blow ourselves up and... But we do seem to live in a universe that wants to create life. Right. Um, and so it would be, I think, foolish and in a sense hubristic to suppose that if we were to stop or we were to make a big enough mistake, well, that's the, the process would somehow stop. Yeah. You know, that's kind of a, a preposterous notion. So I think encouraging people to have a sense of lightness, mm. the kind nice. of uh, ecological confrontation to, that we're um, faced with and to get out of this, like, it's all terrible, we're all dead, unless the government does something. That's just about the worst story, I think, that you could tell people. <laughs> Even if it's true, you know, you know, maybe it is, maybe unless... Michal Martin gets his finger out the forest, the whole thing, and you know, like, is he even still the teacher? <laughs> uh, uh, you know, like, maybe that's true, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's maybe it's actually a case of that if if enough people pick up a rock and and start carrying it and take start taking responsibility for because what permaculture design essentially teaches people and empowers people to do is to make the area around where they live more diverse more productive and to sort of like begin to liberate themselves in in the process you know, right. and to build not just soil and to grow food but to kind of be able to grow community and a sense of autonomy as mm. well you know and i think we're at our best when we have that sense of autonomy because that's where we can really start to you know practice Freedom is an interesting idea. Because, right. You know, we're trying to practice freedom by through permaculture by by also tying ourselves tying ourselves down, down and planting roots. So yeah. you know that's also an interesting idea, right? Right. The, and it, it's contained again in the Oshin story that the kind of contrast between freedom, which a lot of people yearn for, and structure, which people need. Mm. and you know too much freedom will kill you absolutely yeah you know and I've seen that with a lot of um, and I think it's the kind of in a sense it's the typical male story uh, you know of, of of the guys who you know maybe get married maybe end up doing a job that they're not particularly excited about and then getting to a point in their lives where they go oh god this isn't what I wanted mm-hmm you know, not realizing that it might not be what you wanted, but it's what you, you know, created. Right. And then thinking that the solution to that is is, is freedom and, and, you know, going back to being a 21-year-old. A 21-year-old. <laughs> going down to the pub every night and chasing young ones, you know, and it's like that there'll somehow be some sort of salvation in that and, you know, they're... 
Yeah, yeah. and that's the, that's the tragedy about that as well. Yeah. Um, and Absolutely, that, and that be kind of that becomes a tragic thing. So, I mean, I've been, I, it's been fascinating being here, especially watching you teach uh, an immersion co- an immersion course, a permaculture design kind of philosophy. Uh, it's a storytelling way, a, a way of re recalibrating your own ability and your own uh, desire to create abundance in, in in lifestyle. And and it's been amazing to see people on your course here in Guatemala in uh, Grand, Grand Hat Sikin. don't worry the link will be in the bio for anyone who wants to run off here and learn from the brother uh, and it, but it's been amazing to see the level of empowerment little light bulbs going off going oh shit I can do that oh shit hang on that's not that hard oh shit hang on that makes sense now right. uh, that I, I should be part of this cycle of life and death and, and be more integrated and I, should be inter- I should be interacting with these cycles on every level you know, and, and 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 I think that's the that's the thing that people when you see that light bulb go off in people that it's like oh there are all these cycles there's carbon cycles and lime cycles and water cycles, um, but humans whether we want to admit it or not we're interacting with them all the time we're naturally keystone species and so if we kind of take that seriously and look at say well what happens if we try to intelligently intervene with a kind of a a mindset of like I want to increase the stored energy on the land I live on you know year upon year and I want to set it up to do that and and how a kind of easy and intuitive that actually is and be sort of how how liberating it is and and then the the big surprise to me was i i got into permaculture thinking it was just about growing food and, and gaining autonomy in my own life but what i actually realized was that it, it it gave me a whole um framework for looking at the world and for understanding it that i've been able to take outside of just farming and, and, and much more into kind of um, business and storytelling and um, life in general and life lessons and that's why I call it a philosophy because it seems to be a way to shift your point of view take a bit more responsibility and autonomy and it's great to see like it's beautiful to see the people here connected to it and I would only love to uh, see people back home now there are great culture projects back home as well there are great projects going on reforestation um, as well and, and it, but it's definitely a dilemma people have at the moment how to be more integrated more with nature with their surroundings with their own life with their own creativity with all of that and I guess we might have to have another podcast for you to describe exactly what permaculture is and go go through all of it because it is fascinating and you know it's hard to summarize quickly other than to say it's about sustainable living in a way I would say it's about um, it's about ecosystem design ecosystem Um, design okay yeah yeah it's about understanding how uh, natural ecosystems work and mm-hmm. how they um, how the basic ways in which they function and then in doing so support life and allow for new life to be created oh. so it's about understanding that really the planet we live on is trying very hard and has gotten very good at supporting life and creating it and and then looking at that functionality and adapting it to, to, to the design of ecosystems that can meet our needs in a way that makes everything else better right yeah. um, so that's one part of it and 
the, you know, the thing I'll say, the one point I'll make is we have talked about the sort of maybe people being in these situations where they are yearning for something different. They are wanting to make a change. They know, you know, you know in your heart that there's a better life possible for you. Uh, right. And, you know, but then it's like, and I get, cause I, ask this, this, I get asked this question a lot, like, how can I how do I go from where I am now to, you know, something to something I'm dreaming of? Cause I'm not even really sure what it is I want. I just know that I don't want this. Mm. And, you know, like for me, that figuring out that part was huge. And eventually looking back in it, what I realized was that the, the, the smartest thing I did was my father, our father gave me a piece of advice. He said, you know what, I'd like to, I'd like to see you go off and have an interesting life mm. when I was in my late twenties. And I thought it was the best piece of advice I ever got. And it kind of for several years became like a guiding philosophy for me, which was just like, I'm going to do things that I find interesting. And I slowly, I was in a very boring job at the time that I didn't like. I was, you know, there was a lot of parts of my life that looking back in it would be intolerable to me now. <laughs> uh, but I just, you know, I found one thing that was interesting. Right. An organic gardening course that I could do, you know, that I could keep doing all the other things in my life. Right. I did that and I found that terribly fascinating. And, you know, then I did a natural building course and then I did another one and I just started taking courses slowly edging myself out of my comfort zone and which is key at getting that that edge and finding yeah, where finding you're finding that finding that edge finding that point where you're engaged and therefore growing mm-hmm. is really amazing and you know one of the things you learn when you start gardening and farming is that like you can't you know once I once I was we were harvesting a big uh we had a big tomato harvest in the farm a couple of years ago and someone said to me he's like oh did you grow those tomatoes and I said well no I planted them <laughs> they grew themselves. they grew themselves <laughs> you know and yeah yeah well you're again it's like it's very funny you're the same like you I was just thinking about what you want to grow like human beings are sort of in a sense programmed to grow to grow and they're programmed to go in a direction of like greater depth um, and like our, our father, the psychotherapist, the person who went through a fairly traumatic childhood and many life events that caused him trauma and then kind of went back into the, you know, his death and rebirth was probably, you know, finding psychology and finding that thing that he found interesting in and working through his own problems and, and issues and then finding a way out of that in, her, in terms of helping people do the same journey. And from a kind of from a different point of view, from a different perspective, you and I have landed in, in a well people uh, that are maybe like haven't had as much childhood trauma we were w- well raised we were lucky enough we came from a stable connection with our, with our parents we, we didn't weren't overly anxiously attached we didn't have huge amounts of trauma or, or devastating life events that cause lots of stresses in our early development so we come to a point in our lives where we need to find meaning not get over the trauma and and then to get to some place that isn't just depressing that isn't just functional and so you're oh half well-rounded human being but you're looking for meaning you're trying to find out the next level of of happy existence whatever that means right which is a hugely confusing thing that that would be necessary because you know if you say look at where our grandfather grew up uh, or our great grandfather and the kind of like resources and life available to them versus what we grew up in 
you know, someone in their time would look into the 1980s and 1990s Ireland and say, well, that must basically be utopia. <laughs> there's, there's no food shortages. Everyone, almost everyone can, you know, go to university, study whatever they want, learn to play music. If they get bored, they can switch on a color TV and watch a movie or, you know, you would suppose that suffering at this point would be eliminated. And yet it's not, you know, and, and that kind of modern society in a sense, could be viewed from one perspective to be a bit like Tiernanog. It's like you could you could lie on a comfortable couch and you know watch Netflix uh, and get entertained and, and eat, you know, amazing takeaway food. Right. Uh, Very attractive. Uh, you know, and really have no discomfort or, or, or be in danger at all. Mm-hmm. And yet it makes people miserable. It makes actually things worse. Way too much time to think of worries, anxieties over small things, problems the, cropping up. The, the, the spirit suffers. And so... We're programmed to find problems anyway. We're programmed to find problems. And, and, and that's, as, as we mentioned, like that's in a sense what being alive is. Being alive is a problem. <laughs> hoping that the problem will go away or like wanting to go back to turn no I think it's much better to view the problems around us as one of these is is your thread you know because the one of the other stories I told which I love is the Michael Mead story and it's all about weaving this idea that like um, there's there's loose threads there all over the place and they're just dying to be picked up and weaved and turned into something and so I've much more now conceptualised the ecological crisis as I mean this is going this can be the call to action the call to the hero's journey for millions of people all over the world and it promises you know a wonderfully fulfilling life of planting trees building soil recreating the conditions that the planet needs to go on sustaining not only us but also you know the myriad of other types of life our farm by the way is called Grand Hesikin which is it's one of the Mayan Nawalis for, for and it signifies abundance and it's symbolised by the bird so you know it's like we're trying to farm even though we're growing kale and chard and beets and, and raising goats and chickens but we're trying to do all that in a way that increases the bird population Right. on the piece of land that we manage the microorganisms in the in the yes. compost yeah, judge judge the health of the farm by the health of its predators like that's kind of what we're what we're trying to do you are what your food eats yeah all, all, those, kind of, all those taglines but um, you know so that I think in terms of like you're probably starting to see uh, why storytelling is, is so important because really what I'm what I find myself trying to do and trying to convince people have over and over again is that like we must reframe the way we look at things and we must rather than have this kind of heavy guilty we're bad feeling around things it's much more we're 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 not only part of nature we are the most miraculous thing that nature has ever created because the level of depth that we're capable of is so extraordinary right you know like trees and all their splendor are wonderful but they don't have mythological histories they don't um yeah 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 they're, they're just so they're, they're doing the so thing so much extra depth to humans mm-hmm. and that really that just means that there's so many extra space places where we can get it wrong 
Of course. Because it's harder to get, it's much harder to get it right when there's so many different things going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think then the other thing is like, but it is very, very worth trying to get it right. And I think that, you know, the the biggest thing I take off of all of what you said is encouraging active participation in your own story, which is something that like, you know, as Candleteos, we're very excited about having, uh, you know, Kruhu, the game based storytelling game that we're doing in primary schools very soon. Soraka and I will be doing it around the place. And, uh, you know, it's it's encouraging kids to have creativity, to take participation in their own game. It's a game. We learn through games. We learn through stories. that's the thing to come back to 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 take a little light step in your own story not take it so seriously and possibly learn an awful lot more in the future now I will say we could talk all day about these things and I'm sure uh, I will I hope you've enjoyed this conversation Neil it's been a pleasure and I uh, I'm going to post all the links to your farm here but also I think we want to uh, have a little bit of a, a think of maybe you coming back to Ireland and having a, a storytelling permaculture design course in the west of Ireland somewhere would, would that be a possibility or would that be something that people are interested in I would be I would be extraordinarily interested in that I haven't been back to Ireland for over six years wow um, I would like to avoid a scenario where I come back fall off my horse <laughs> Um, turn to dust turn to dust yeah we'd like uh, to if I can avoid that it would be great um, planting more trees is probably the way to go right and I have become but yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> uh, the I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm we're, we're very passionate about what what we do here and um, it would be a dream come true for I think myself and my my siblings to collaborate with people and you know teach a fusion of mm. permaculture permaculture design and storytelling that's focused on changing the narrative finding our edge seeing where that is and, and putting yourself in your own story listen Neil I'm excited to, to see if people are, are going to reach out to us and ask us about this please do let us know if it's something you're interested in um, and we're, we're kind of going to start planting the seeds it's spring now and uh, when we're recording this it's just gone in bullock and we're planting a seed of a thought to create a little bit more abundance people's hearts minds and visions for their own future get in touch if you're interested in this and Neil absolute pleasure check us out on grandhasekeen.com and groundwork.com groundwork.life which is our educational permaculture platform perfect grow more and see you next time you slant